Welcome to the Yours in Marketing podcast. Hey, it's Blake here. If this is the first time that you're joining us on the Yours in Marketing podcast, do me a favor. Please go wherever you get your podcast, doesn't matter where, and please review, rate, subscribe to the podcast right now. Well, or after the episode, whichever works for you. We're really looking for your support so that we can build this and make it even more valuable for you. So please rate, review, and subscribe to the Yours in Marketing podcast. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. On today's episode of the Yours in Marketing podcast, I had the chance to talk to Rachel Pilcher, who is a conversion copywriter at Mighty Fighting Copy in New Zealand. I think it's my first New Zealand guest, which is fantastic. And we had a really great time talking about converting copy and how we can make great copy and how can we, we can really let a company's voice come through and shine through on a website or in an email or whatever it may be. So here are the main points we discussed and what you're going to learn from this episode specifically. First, we talk about how to bring to light your company's personality. Then we talked about how insurance companies and insurance commercials became interesting. And finally, we finish with her framework, which is called Snacks, for creating great converting copy. If you're a business owner, if you are a writer looking for even more tips on how to improve, if you're a marketer with no copywriting skills whatsoever, please listen to this. This is going to help a ton to understand how a great website should be built. So without any further ado, here is the episode with Rachel Pilcher. And we are live, and I'm here with Rachel Pilcher, who is the, you're the founder and you're the, a copywriter at Mighty Fine Copy. So, Rachel, it's great to have you on. How are you doing? And please talk a little bit about what you're building at Mighty Fine Copy. Hey, Blake. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm, I'm really appreciating being on here. It's great to talk to you. Um, Mighty Fine Copy is um, my business, which is just specializing in B2B and SaaS conversion copywriting for a lot of startups. I do a lot of work for agencies as well, digital agencies, and just trying to get everyone to have better copy and content and messaging on their website that really just connects with their ideal audience instead of being features focused and uh, quite you know basic and bland. I really want every company that I work for to have something that's a bit special that they can offer in terms of their copy. Perfect. And I know you, do you have, we had Joel Klecki on one of our first episodes. Do you have a relationship with him? Have you ever spoken with him? I don't have a relationship with him, Blake, but some, yeah, uh, he is one of my colleagues and um, he's been mm. very valuable in terms of uh, the knowledge and the teaching that he shares. He's just very generous across the whole copywriting community in terms of um, yeah what he talks about and and sharing his knowledge. He's, he's a great guy. Sure. Well, let, let's start off with your the early days of Rachel and kind of build our way up to where we are now. So you started out as a legal PA, which is the natural first step for a copywriting specialist. Um, <laughs> yeah, it has been actually. A lot of copywriters I've talked to have had a legal background and it's really quite weird. Um, but really? I think, um, and yeah, most copywriters I know haven't really started out by, you know, leaving school and going, you know, mother, father, I shall be a copywriter. There's been a quite a twisty, <laughs> tangled journey for, right. for everyone to get where they are now. And that's all kind of built up to why they're so good in their fields. I think there's, that life experience really plays into it as well. Yeah. No, that's that's so interesting. Well, you so you start with as a legal PA, you move on to directing a clothing boutique. So just vastly different things here. <laughs> and then now you're at Mighty Fine Copy. So and you've been building that for about four years now. So what role, what's what's the common thread in terms of copywriting? What role did copywriting actually play in these different positions? Um, well, the law thing really helped me with uh, getting to know customers because you're always interviewing 
uh, clients and getting information from them and asking them questions. And I worked across insurance law and also trusts, wills and estates and family as well. So it was really just always talking to the clients and getting lots of information from them and learning how to deal with people and get the information that you need out of them. And um, that was also driving me insane at the same time. So I just needed something that was a little bit more fun and a bit more me. So I bought a couple of pairs of shoes on eBay and this sounds really random and I wasn't sure what size I was. And I wore one and I sold the other pair for double the money on uh, our local auction site. And that just was a little germ of an idea that grew into a fully fledged e-commerce store that I built and then into two retail stores. So it was quite a wild journey and um, that kind of taught me the basics of niching and branding and marketing and copywriting and all the other things that you need to actually build a successful niche business. Yeah, because our market here in New Zealand is very tiny, so it really needed to be quite uh, powerful messaging that I created for that. So did you actually, did you write blog posts for the, the clothing boutique store? I did, and they were really, really bad. And there wasn't really Facebook that I think I started in 2005 for that. So Facebook uh. and social wasn't really a thing. So it was really relying on uh, emails and blog posts to get that work done. And that's an emails, obviously something you still do today and been writing out the copy for websites. So there, there's a clear correlation. Yeah, so um, I didn't think that would be any use in the future, but it really has been. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, talking about the transition then, when did you decide, let's move on from just directing the clothing boutique and then kind of go into that career of, all right, I'm going to be a copywriter full time. Yeah, I, I did the clothing thing for about 10 years and I just felt really burnt out and the industry had changed and there was a lot of competition. So I managed to sell the business to a lovely lady who's still running it today. And I thought, well, I'll just put everything in a backpack and go traveling for a couple of years. And uh, as I traveled, I sort of ran out of money a little bit. So it was really that <laughs> thinking, oh my gosh, you know, what can I do? What am I actually good at? What are my natural skills? And I think, yeah, I just, I started just Googling and figuring out that you could actually make money writing blog posts, which seemed easy enough, right? So right. Um, I got my first job quite quickly after that and it went from there. Were you immediately good at it? Well, I'd like to think so. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Was, <laughs> if you're, I mean, if you're they looking back me, at, so at that, that time. The main thing. Well, yeah, that's all that counts. But yeah. if you're looking back at, at writing things back then when you just started to where you are now, how far do you think you've come in terms of copywriting? A long, long way. And really, when I started, it was just like, oh, you know, I think my first blog post was $80 that I got for that. And I thought I'd just won the lottery. I was like, how can people pay me for a really short article? And then I found the Facebook group, The Copywriter Club, uh, which uh, Joel Kleck is in also. And mm -hmm. there are people saying, you know, I get 500 US for a post or, you know, a thousand US or a dollar a word. And it's like, wow, you know, that's possible. And it really is possible. And that just, blew the doors wide open for me. Do you do you believe you would have become as effective at copywriting without the prior experiences that you had? Or do you think there are any other experiences you would have liked to have that you think would have contributed to being a better copywriter as well? Huh. Um, I don't really know. I sort of think maybe if I had more of a marketing background, but I think the fact that I feel quite self-taught, like I have an English degree, so I have that good right. knowledge of research and basic structure of things and the storytelling side of things. But I think maybe if I'd had more of a marketing background, that could have helped. But I think being self-taught just made me hungry and curious and quite uh, not desperate to learn, but you know, there's that real <laughs> hunger and rage to master the craft going on there. Sure. Well, so now you're at, you're at Mighty Fine Copy and you've been doing this for about four years. You just went through an entire rebrand of the website yourself. So you're kind of going through what you might help a client with. 
And I'm just curious, what are some of the key lessons from that going through it yourself? It's a long process. And I think um, a lot of people that think of a rebrand think, oh, we'll just redo our imagery. We'll just put some new words up and away we go. And it's, there's not a lot of thought into it. I think a rebrand is quite an intensive process. And it's not like some people will think, you know, being funny, I need to be maybe more funny in, in my business and that will help. So they mm-hmm. bang a clown nose on themselves and go to market and that's not going to work because it's not authentic and your customers will know if you're not being authentic and it's not really your actual brand, you know. I think if you've got a clown school sure. uh, and you put a clown nose on, definitely do that because you should. That's a nice authentic thing, but it really does take a lot of time to kind of dig into who your audience is and who you are and just put all those together. That was actually going to be one of my questions because for me personally, when I'm looking at examples in the past for me of copy that just really gets me, whether it's, you know, even advertising or copy, whatever it is, what kind of ever kind of media, almost every time for me, it's clever, it's funny, it's witty, but not every single company is going to fit that mold. But, you know, usually for me, at least good copy or copy that sticks out on the internet, especially in SaaS or B2B, oftentimes is kind of funny or at least clever. So but copy, good copy doesn't necessarily have to be funny, but you know how, how can you stay authentic to that and still be interesting? If, if your brand is not funny, it's not really witty or anything, how can you still stand out and be interesting? Yeah, it's a good question. And I know like one of my favorite SaaS brands of all time is Toggle, which is the time tracking software. And they have the just mm-hmm. amazing animations. They've got excellent cartoonists and designers and their copywriters are just great. And also Biteable does the same thing. They've just got an excellent, very memorable brand. And a lot of these places have grown by word of mouth, like Toggle Guru, who I think one and a half million customers just based on people saying, you've got to check out this rad site and this rad brand. And they also have an excellent product behind that. So it's really helpful. But then you get uh, companies like Apple, for example, and everyone knows an Apple product. They're quite minimal and simple in their design. And their copy is a really nice reflection of that. It's quite friendly and uh, you know trendy, but it's, it just really fits their product. But they're not funny or humorous or anything like that. So... I I like to look at Apple as a good example of coffee that doesn't have to be funny. Yeah, well, I'll definitely get more into that. I want to ask you some questions about personality and companies and things like that. We won't go into it right now, but very, very interesting to me. Going back to the rebrand of your website, did you at any point find yourself going against what your own recommendations would be yourself? No, I think I actually started out like that. And I was trying to convince all the companies uh, on sales calls and, and the clients that I worked with that they should, you know, be a bit more out there and, you know, really dig deep into who they are and what their product is and who their audience is and try and connect all of those to have a, a stronger brand voice and a, a bit more personality. And uh, it was really hard to convince them of that when my website just looked like it was written by a five-year-old with terrible imagery because I'm not a designer. I'm, I'm useless. <laughs> and um, My websites <laughs> have been terrible for the last uh, four years. I keep kind of tweaking them, but they were just horrible. So it was time to just get a full rebrand with professional design and um, let someone who knows what they're doing help me with that. Yeah, so it, it took a long time. But now I can actually talk to companies and refer back to my website and say, hey, you know, don't be afraid to stand out because that's how you're going to get noticed and build your business. Sure. Well, I mean, when I look at mightyfinecopy.com, everyone should go visit this, by the way. It's actually a really great example of, of a website that has a lot of personality. When I'm looking at it, it's really colorful. There's that imagery, the cartoon, you're, you're front and center there as well. So from your standpoint, when you're building this all out, 
what do you know are the fine points of your personality that need to be represented on the page? Oh, well, to be honest, there was a bit of fear going on there. And it is like when you try and stand out and get noticed, there is that, oh, you know, is my market actually going to get this or is it a bit too much or is it a bit mm-hmm. too weird? You know, because I really love computer games and obviously cartoons and Adventure Time. And that's that's just part of me. And I like T-shirts with silly things on them. Like I've got my little dog T-shirt. I've got a really cool yep. Godzilla T-shirt. And I just kind of wanted to bring that out as part of me. And um, yeah, that that's what sets me apart. And um, the people that like that style and understand that and kind of get me, that's the kind of person and company that I want to attract. The more, you know, the more fun and kind of uh, people that are willing to take risks with things. Have you had to say no to clients because they didn't really fit that mold for you? Not yet. I think everyone's been fairly on board with it. Everyone has given me excellent feedback about the website. I've not had anyone say, you know, you're just weird and and too silly for us. So that's (laughs) positive. (laughs) Hopefully I still come (laughs) across as uh, intelligent and know what I'm doing at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, so I want to I want to ask a question here specifically about B2B and SaaS cuz that is really your specialty and I do want to focus there. But obviously, great copy only stands out if or or really only helps you stand out if it stands out, if people actually read it. You could have the greatest copy in the world, but if people don't read it, if it's not legible or if it's not easy to find or in the right place or what have you, then it's never going to get read either way. So what tips or optimizations would you have in mind for B2B SaaS companies to actually help their users care about their words, to find what they should be reading and to actually take the time to read them? Yeah, if no one's reading them, they're just uh, you know hundreds more words floating around on the internet and we don't really need that. So um, everything for me comes down to talking to the customers and businesses should be doing that at every opportunity so listening to them surveying them what do they what do they like what are they into what are their pains what's missing in their lives um you know can your product help them and that really helps to pull out the copy that companies can use on their website and those insights can be fed into the copy and put on the websites and emails and into your content and on social and that's really what will attract the right people to you that will be interested in what you have to offer and and come and visit your website and hopefully buy from you do you think that, do a lot of the companies that come to you, do you think that they're trying to cast too broad of a net and they're trying to focus on way too many people? I absolutely do. Um, and I think that the market is really crowded, especially for SaaS now. And I think getting a bit more specific with who you're targeting is going to be super important in the future. You can't market to everyone. It's just not possible. So you need to think, what's a little niche that I can carve? What's a little wedge I can drive into that market that's just our space, you know, how can we how can we use that and attract just that little group of people? So again, I want to go back to Toggle as an example. There's heaps of time mm-hmm. tracking software, but Toggle's attracting the people that appreciate their sort of fun slant on things, you know. And I I've tried to use other software like um, I don't want to name it, but like Clockify and things like that, and they're just a bit meh. <laughs> but Toggle's brand really just drew me in, and I'm interested, mm-hmm. and um, I'm sold basically on that. And that's really due to the design and their messaging. And yeah, that really resonates with me. Well, so far, it's actually a lot of what you've been saying is is related to design as well. It's not just the words. So I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that relationship between design and actual copy. Because, for, you know, when, when I think copywriting, I just think words on a page, but I'm not the expert on it. And so I, I would love to know more, like when your process, when you're looking at the design of a page and where the words are going to go, like how, how do those two actually come together in a way that's most effective? 
well, they should come together. And there's a lot of disconnect. Like sometimes I'll work with a company and I'll say, you know, what's your design like? Have you have you done your design or is it kind of coming after the copy? Or mm-hmm. am I working together with a designer? Because those two should go hand in hand. And when someone lands on your page, it should look quite cohesive and engaging and attractive. And it should just naturally draw your eye with the design through the copy and, you know, direct you to what to do next. And that, that should be a nice flow. But sometimes the design will have been done already and they'll just expect you to sort of smash your copy into what they've got already and that doesn't really work so well. Um, mm. So it should be a nice kind of seamless process and that's part of branding as well. Um, it's just a mixture of layers of the design and the messaging and the, uh, the layout and personality and a whole bunch of things. It's, it's quite complex, but yeah, when it works, it really for- works well. <laughs> Well, for your for your website personally, did you find yourself looking more, thinking more about the design first or the copy, or do you really feel like there was like a perfect 50-50 that they were happening at the same time? Um, I actually have a design partner who's a branding expert and who's been in design for a, a long time, working for big corporate brands and things, and uh, basically just said, you know, this is what I need. These are the pages, and you know, can you make something kind of fun and, and a bit cartoony and also make sure Godzilla's in there? <laughs> and, <laughs> and also, can you make me an exploding sandwich and a space toaster? So, yeah, those are my requirements at the time. <laughs> I can see them all on the page, yeah, by I the know, way. Right? But you've got yeah. to have a designer that's kind of <laughs> get, gets that, right? Sure. Well, so for for someone that's a little bit more serious, let's say, so if we look at a brand like Uber, we look at their their branding, it's very black and white, very minimal. The website, it's just, you know, it's people driving. It's kind of what you would expect. So really, it's it's more serious, but at the same time, a lot of design and it has to go into it. So for something like that, is that if you have a company that comes to you for copy and for help with more of a serious tone. Do you think that that's more of a challenge than doing something like this that you're more familiar with, or like do you do you prefer to work funny, cartoony, more engaging, fun websites, or do you like the do you like the challenge of doing something that's kind of opposite of the way that you think? Um, I like variety, and I'm actually quite happy with doing dry, uh, not boring stuff, but a bit more serious, um, professional, businessy stuff. I've done a lot of. Uh, financial copy and a bit of legal and, you know, the more serious uh, side of the B2B world. So I'm actually okay with it. It's really just digging into the product and what the users expect from that. And with the Uber example, you really want to know that company is going to be serious because it needs to get you somewhere on time, efficient to get you somewhere on time. And um, yeah, I think that's really what they're trying to promote with, with that copy and that design. It's really all about the value for money and is going to get you where you need to go when you need to be there. So yeah, it's all about their their brand values and their brand promise to their customers. So you've got to really reflect that in the copy. Right. Well, I'm, I'm sure you mentioned financial people you've worked with. I'm sure that you've, you've probably had some like IT websites or something that maybe right up front didn't make a ton of sense. Um, I know that I've definitely come across that in my marketing career so far, just tons of things that don't make sense. So when you hit a, a roadblock like that, when you get a new client that is definitely not in your wheelhouse quite yet, what's your process for getting up to speed on what they do and understanding on a deep level how to speak to their customers? It's really about talking to their customers. And I do try and interview 
maybe, you know, five or so of their actual customers and that might be present ones or past ones. And just I've got a, a list of jobs to be done kind of questions that I will ask them to dig deep into that information so I can pull out some some things that are useful. And there's generally something that's quite surprising in there that the company won't have actually realised about their customers in terms of how they use the product or how they're experiencing the product. And that might be something that, you know, just catches them a bit off guard that can redirect the copy. Um, because yeah, a lot of these companies just have a bunch of features and jargon and stuff all over their pages and it's just, it loses people, you know, it's, it's not really targeted and it's often not very interesting. So I think a lot of companies are starting to think about that. Like, how can I actually make my, my website more engaging or my emails? How can I help them retain more of my customers? So what, what am I doing wrong? And, um, often that comes down to copy. Sometimes it's the product, but a lot of the time it is the copy and changing that can really fix things. Have you found that when you're so when you're interviewing customers for for research or when you're just talking to the business owner, for example, have you noticed a huge disparity between what each side perceives as the unique value proposition, the differentiator? Sometimes it's really on point and, and these companies will have done a lot of um, research on their customers already, but sometimes it's really way off and they'll be thinking, I've got this amazing product and people love my product, but what they really love is, you know, the sales team or the customer support team was just on hand all the time and they were super knowledgeable and always there if there was a problem, you know? So I had one client and it was just every single person I spoke to and all the survey results were amazing customer support, best I've ever experienced and things like that. Mm -hmm. So they made more of a point to bring that out on the website because that was obviously something that was unique about their business that the customers loved. So I I warned you about this. I want to do a thought experiment. This is this is where we're going to do this right here. So let's let's get into oh, this. I want I want to give you <laughs> I want to give you an opportunity to talk about the the snacks framework. Yeah. First off, if you want to just tell everybody what snacks is, what it stands for, and then we can actually get into the thought experiment. Okay. Um. That was the exploding sandwich that I talked about earlier because uh, when I talk to clients, I sort of talk about my process and that's really important. It's the basis of any successful copywriting. And uh, companies would often come back and go, well, can I can I get this without the research? You know, will that be cheaper? But they don't understand that that whole process is how you get the copy that is going to make money if you're a business. So this next framework is a visual representation of my process just to make it easier for them to understand all the layers, like the layers of a sandwich that go into making copy that works for your, your particular business. It's not the same for every company, but it's the strategy. It's the niche that you're in. It's asking your customers about things. And it's all that knowledge that you gather from the reviews, from the surveys, from talking to the whole team behind the business and the founders and, and everything. And that equals sales. And it's really, if you're missing any of those layers, like, for example, if you start off building a sandwich with no bottom piece of bread and you start with the tomatoes or the lettuce or something and then you try and eat the sandwich, it's going to be a disaster. And it's the same right. if you miss out that foundational piece of the process, it's not going to get you the results that you really, really want. Okay. So I, I love that because it makes it super easy to understand the elements that go into great copy. Yeah, that's what I was so, hoping for because I was sick of arguing that. Like <laughs> research is important. Analysis, yeah. analysis is important. It's like customer experience is everything. You've got to do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's let's put it to the test then. I I'm assuming that it's it doesn't usually take only like you know five minutes to to 
<laughs> to talk through this entire framework with a with a client, but we're going to try to do that here. Uh, we'll make it a little bit more tough on you. Oh, so thanks, Blake. <laughs> <laughs> so you've created this custom process, the Snags framework. If I were a SaaS company, and let's say that I'm making software that tries to help young adults budget and save money, Ooh. if I see that that's you know. <laughs> they're, they're just not doing it, which is true, by well, the way. They're, they're, not, they're not budgeting or saving. <laughs> so I, I make a software for that specific niche. That's my goal. It's all built, but I just don't seem to have the copy. I'm in desperate need of getting some branding on there, creating unique copy for my website. Take me through snacks for this specific example, and feel free to ask me questions as well that you would normally ask, because I would kind of just love to see what this looks like. Okay, so first I would... So, like, have you have you established that you've got a product market fit, Blake? Yes. And that's good. And you've got some users already. We've got yes, we have some users. And, and how many users roughly? We have ten thousand users. Damn. <laughs> yeah, we're we're killing it. Okay, so if he's saying it's not, it's <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's, it sounds like you've got a good product. So I would be asking if if I can actually interview some of your best customers to talk to them, and then I would mm -hmm. send out a survey and. I'd maybe send out a survey to one, 200 people. And that's just got some nice open-ended questions about how they found your product, how they're actually experiencing it. Like, do they use it in a different way that you thought people were using your product? And maybe if they're a past customer, I'd send surveys up to them as well and ask why they left or was there something that you could improve? And that just really digs into anything else that, that might be happening there. And then I would ask who your competitors are and I would go and do some rummaging around on the internet for mm -hmm. reviews. And I like to look at the things that your competitors are doing really well so, I can, so we can make sure that we're sticking up to that in terms of messaging. And then I like to look at what they're doing really badly so that you can fix that and you're, it just makes right. you better all around and um, that gives you a stronger positioning and it helps you dig out your unique value proposition, which everyone should have, um, yeah, to help pull their customers in. What makes you stand out? And all this can come really easily out of just speaking to customers and looking, looking at those things. Interesting. So and then once we kind of have all of the research, what's what, what does it actually look like in terms of, I guess, when we're actually writing the copy, is there a lot of back and forth between you and and the business owner, whoever, you know, whoever's hired you? Or is it really you try to... Do you, do you try to give multiple variations of what it could look like or do you just have one proposal and you say, this is what I think is going to be the best? Yeah, absolutely. And um, every project that I do has two rounds of edits so we can go through and look at things that they might not be so comfortable with or I can provide, you know, different headline options or, or subheads or whatever. But there is a bit mm. of back and forth. It depends on the size of the company, but I like to talk to the sales team and the product team to see, you know, and maybe some support to just go through their logs and talk to their salespeople about the objections that they're getting all the time. Like what are the top five things that you never want to get asked by a customer again? Because then you can put those in the website somewhere and hopefully, you know, that helps you with faster sales cycles. And I guess my final question here would be, so for, for this example, if I, you know, successfully went through this brand, the branding and writing the new copy for the website with you, then after how like how many years or months or you know however long should I really wait to start saying again maybe it's time to relook at the copy should, you know maybe after a few years I don't I don't know if you have kind of like a typical timeline to really start considering oh it's time to look at the copy again because maybe things have updated maybe we can 
try to stay on top of trends more or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I would say like definitely revisit every 12 months, if not, you know, sort of six months, just to check if there's been, you know, has your business suddenly exploded overnight or has there been a big shift in the market or have you launched a whole lot of new products or maybe you've kind of decided to go for enterprise customers instead. There's a whole bunch of changes Mm -hmm. that might impact how effective your copy is that you can look at and see if things need to be changed. All right. I think we'll we'll put an end to the experiment. That was really helpful. (laughs) You're you're relieved. (laughs) I want to help these young adults with their budgeting because I was useless at that. (laughs) Maybe I should actually make that. (laughs) I'm going to make that. (laughs) That's great. Dang it. (laughs) Yeah. What? So. I'm I'm obviously I'm more on the SEO side of things, so I deal with copywriting in my own way all the time. But I'm not a copywriter. But you you know you're a copywriter, not necessarily an SEO. I'm sure you know a ton about yeah, SEO. You sort obviously. of have you to understand have to. the basics of that at least to understand what to put in there and, and how organic traffic works and things like that. So yeah, right. So when you're when you're helping companies. How do you, a lot of, in, in terms of SEO, a lot of the time, the research shows that you should have certain terms and that's really what's going to be best for the website. But those terms can often be a little bit rigid or sound kind of robotic, which goes against, you know, great copywriting typically. So how do you balance that when you, when the research tells you we really need to target these words in terms of getting organic traffic to our site, but at the same time, it's not going to be engaging. It's not going to drive clicks. It's not going to help people want to read more. Yeah, I'm actually all for copy first. I think that's more important. And the sort of other ways that you can drive traffic to your site, like brand awareness and brand recall, if you really focus on that, and obviously paid ads, which are getting kind of expensive too. But mm-hmm. all these other ways of driving traffic to your site can help. But I don't know, I, would, I much prefer effective copy over trying to smash keywords in there and make it really weird and a bit disconnecting for visitors. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it all the time. I, I would say that for the most part, B2B and SaaS companies are way more focused on just saying exactly what they do, being keyword driven, rather than letting their personality be on display yeah. and really engage people. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. And most of the companies that come to me are like, you know, um, we've just had this kind of features-based, quite boring copy for a long time and it's just not working for us anymore. And I think there is a shift there where B2B is looking more at what the B2C brands are doing and like, how can we... Mm-hmm adopt some of the layers of their marketing and their messaging to work for us. So yeah, I'm noticing a shift there for sure. Well, what what goes into the process? So moving on to just talking more about company personality in depth. I, I said we would come back to this. Here we are. What goes into the process of actually developing a company personality? Because Or, or I guess more, not really developing, but more identifying it, bringing it to light. Because Companies definitely have personalities based off of their founders and the core people at the company. Yeah, absolutely. But but how do you bring it to light? How do you help people understand this is what your company is actually trying to say? Yeah, it's, it's sort of a lot easier for B2C brands and companies with tangible products for sure to build something around that. And also just personal brands because it's, it's just you and that's your personality mm-hmm. and you kind of amplify and package that to go to market. But companies are a bit more difficult and um, there are a lot of layers there. Like, do you pull your personality from the founder or from the team or from your audience? And there's no right answer to that. Everyone is going to be a bit different, but it should be a blend of everything. Everything should be taken into account and kind of pulled together into what's really going to work for you. But yeah, for a simple version, say um, you have a fitness company and it's like, who can I think of as a person that might be able to represent us and you might think well you know Arnold Schwarzenegger right so 
-hmm. everyone knows him and you can kind of dissect all the layers of him that make up his personality, like how would he approach the situation? How would he respond to this? Um, is he more of a teacher? Is he more of an accessible expert? Or is he like super inspiring? You know, how would you strip back those layers and apply them to your own business? And that's just a really simplified version of how I look at trying to create a business personality. Is is the, I mean, I kind of mentioned that a business can take its personality for often from the founders and, and, and people like that, but is there more that goes into it? That like, does do you think that companies kind of have a life of their own in, in a certain way, and that they can also be distinguished from the people that created them? Um, I think if if you're stuck, it's really good to kind of draw from the founder because they've had the idea and it's the the energy and inspiration that goes into it. But as a company mm -hmm. grows and evolves, you might find that other things are coming into play. Like, um, you know, the market might kind of redirect you and your personality might grow and change in that direction, or you might find your customers have a certain sort of personality and enjoy certain things that you can then bring out more in your personality. So it's not rigid. It should be quite flexible and able to evolve with you, yeah, over time. If if you are drawing on the founders for to just kind of give a glimpse into the personality, what if the founder has a terrible personality? <laughs> well, that can work for you as well. You don't all need to be nicey nice. You can just be a complete bastard, and that could work for you as well. If your audience is really into that, that could be great. <laughs> um, and I think of like uh, Twitter. I think Wendy's uh, Wendy's always quite snarky with their, yes. their social comments and things, and quite witty and very you know on the ball about current events and. Um, everyone loves that, you know, and everyone wants to be burned by by Wendy's tweets because that's kind of an honor, right? <laughs> so yeah, right. Um, that's a personality that could work for some companies for sure, but you need to be smart about it. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> Never considered that before yeah. until just now. Yeah. <laughs> part, a part of it is obviously, so getting, getting the company personality down is crucial, but then beyond that, you actually have to be telling a story with that personality so when we're when we're talking about brand stories, for me at least, the, the clear example again is Apple. I just think I look at them and it's like it's pretty clear what they're trying to say on a regular basis and who they are, kind of counterculture, minimal, really design focused. It's pretty easy to see the story there. And, but I'm just being me, the way that I think of things, I got I couldn't help but think that we're taught in school that any good story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. But we never really talk about the end with company stories. We talk about where they came from. Apple talks about that a ton. And then we talk about where they are now. But when you're working with brands on their stories, do you actually have them consider the end of the story or what that possibly looks like, or at least the future? I would never consider the end of a story because hopefully there isn't one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're just going to go out of business, so we'll plan for that. Or, um, or at least an end goal, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's something that's always evolving and you can sort of do your best guess to say, you know, um, this is kind of where we see ourselves and we're aiming for this and we want to grow into this. But um, yeah, it should be open-ended as far as the future goes because how do you know? It's the exciting mm. part, right, is, is where you're heading. Let's let's talk a little bit more about brand stories and how, how you kind of, well, for yourself, for your own business, what is the brand story behind Mighty Fine Copy? And how did you come to the conclusion that that's what you wanted to be telling? Well, I think I didn't really have much of an idea of my brand story. And I think that's a problem with a lot of companies. They're just kind of, they they build something because they want to ship it and get it mm -hmm. to market as quickly as possible. So it's the whole done is better than perfect scenario. And then over time, right. they'll be like, well, that doesn't really feel like us. It doesn't embody what we're doing or what we want to promote or doesn't show our values. And then people start to think a lot more about that and kind of work on that and package that up to um, 
share with their audience because the audience does like to hear the story of a company and uh, what's behind it and who the founders are and interesting things like that it really helps create more depth behind a product rather than just here here's our features these are our services you know it, it makes it a more rich experience for customers so what what would be your ideal result or like the, your ideal end to the story for a particular client like if, if for your brand particularly, what makes you the happiest? What's the whole reason that you do it all? Oh, I'd just like to see the clients I work with happy with the copy I've done. And obviously if they're, you know, making millions of dollars after that and, and signing up heaps of users, that's great too. But yeah, I just enjoy the process and the work I do and, and delivering results. And it's great when a client comes back to you with just raving feedback going, you know, our customers love the new copy or yes, we've seen a lift in conversions or we're getting more demos or whatever. Yeah. I, I just enjoy the whole process from start to finish and learning about all these wonderful businesses with these crazy ideas that they're bringing to market. It's very cool. Do you, do you ever feel like the websites that you've helped write are kind of like books that you've written because they're just, they're out there and people are reading them all the time. Yeah, a little bit, but it is weird because sometimes you do a project and come back to it, you know, a year or so later and it's like, did I write that? I don't know. It's, it's almost like you're channeling <laughs> something else. I can't mm. explain it. It sounds a bit weird and woo-woo, but sometimes it just doesn't feel like you've actually written it. It's, it's quite um, surreal experience sometimes. Have you come across like a company where you wrote the copy, felt really good about it, and then a couple months later you go check the website and they've changed everything? And they've destroyed it, yeah. But that's that's the nature of business. <laughs> I mean, and it's the nature of everyone with a website actually, and I'm guilty of that as well. When I was building my own sites, you just go in and kind of tweak stuff here and there until it's completely different and it's, right. you know, and it's a mess. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, companies, if you're listening, don't do that. <laughs> I'm sorry to poke your wounds. I'm, sh I'm sure it's like, that's probably like your worst nightmare. No, that's why I actually had someone else build my website, which is in Webflow, because I don't know how to change things. So it's there and I actually have to, you know, pay to get it changed. So it's at least tempting now. <laughs> Intuitive. Yeah. yeah. That, that's great. So and the final part of the equation, I guess, really is just actually, you know, the, other than the storytelling and all that, just... Well, I guess effectively telling your story would be the final thing. Once you have your personality, you know what the story is you want to tell, you actually have to tell it. For me, I've, I've seen time and time again, like so-called boring industries. You mentioned this as well with like finance. Mm. You actually like that challenge. I look at commercials like insurance companies have revolutionized the way that we watch commercials because they took insurance, which is the most boring possible thing I can think of. <laughs> and now Geico and Progressive, you know, Allstate, they have these hilarious campaigns that have been going on for years. I mean, Geico has been doing this for a decade now where they, all they do is make funny commercials and people like them. <laughs> and they've turned these boring industries into something that people care about. How are they able to actually make something terribly boring turn exciting or enjoyable? I think it's just marketing to other humans. And I think B2B kind of think, you know, or we're marketing to another company. But at the end of that, there's always one person watching. There's always one person reading your email. There's always one person on the screen at the other end. And we're all human and we, we love humor and we love, you know, just being a bit goofy and silly and you don't need to do that. But that really connects with people on a human level and even boring stuff you can take and make and t turn that around and make it something really engaging. And I think more boring industry should be doing that because that's what people want really at the end of the day. Yeah. I think it's really easy 
like, well, I wouldn't say any of this is really easy, but for if you're on YouTube, for example, to actually be able to show something funny, I think is easier than capturing humor in text. It's really hard to capture sarcasm or humor in, in text because you can't actually see the person doing yeah, it. Yeah, it is. And sometimes it's, it loses that context and just comes across all wrong. And um, that's that's right. not what you want either. So video, I think, has become really helpful on YouTube channels, especially are really great for, for companies to kind of get on board with and just show mm -hmm. that side of their personality that might not be coming across so well in text. Right. And for for a copywriter for for yourself have, do you have examples of of that in the past where like you've written something you thought was great and then it turns out it just doesn't come through in text no examples offhand no not for that one I think I've I've tried to write copy for for my own personal websites for other people's websites as well just as a marketer and it's really hard to actually have personality come through and sometimes it even comes across when you do that as a little bit pretentious and it's just it's really hard to capture it so it's definitely a skill it it is totally separate from like anything else and I think if if I were to give advice to any young marketer and I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this as well but if you want to be great at marketing become a, a better copywriter learn the, the basics of copywriting yeah absolutely I think anyone can benefit from learning about copy and learning what works and what doesn't and you know how to talk to different audiences and how to get the information that makes good copywriting. I think everyone can benefit from that. It's a skill that's not going to go away anytime soon. Definitely. I, I think there there was like a time frame there where everyone's like, oh, YouTube is going to account for, or video is going to account for 85% of all online behavior. AI is taking over. Everything will be done. Yeah. <laughs> and cop, and copies going away. And then, there, but there have been all kinds of people like, you know, Gary V and all kinds of people that have been like, no, writing online is still really important and we shouldn't forget about it. And I think now, because so many people have shifted to thinking video is the best thing on earth, which it's, you know, it's great if you use it properly, but it's almost like now a unique value if you can do great copy because so few people are doing it nowadays that you can stand out now because a little bit more than maybe in the past because not everybody's taking the time to make great blogs. People are still blogging, but maybe not as well as they used to because they're focusing on other things. Yeah, and there is a need for great blogs. Like, there's a lot of blogs out there, but the great ones really stand out and those are the ones that get shared and get talked about and you know they're making their companies lots of money. For sure. Sure. But also behind the videos, you know, there's always copywriters for the scripts as well. And I know people that are, you know, making a great living off uh, YouTube scripts and video sales letters and things like that. You know, that's another market right. in itself. So there's always copy yeah. sneaking in somewhere. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's always, you can't get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> Never. <laughs> well, I personally, I, I need to work on my copywriting as a skill. So if you had any tips for me, if I was just a total noob, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm really good at English, I swear. But if I'm, <laughs> if I'm not good at actually putting my thoughts on paper, what, are, what would be some tips that you'd have? Just really basic things for me to put my thoughts on paper in a way that actually captures my voice. There is a great site called copyhackers.com and that just has such a huge amount of information that's run by Joanna Weeb, who's kind of the original conversion copywriter. But if you're into blogging, if you're into refining your brand voice, if you want to learn the very basics of copywriting or going freelance or anything, all that information is right there and it's super valuable. And um, yeah, most of it's free. So 
that's a great place to start. Great plug for copy hackers. Yeah. They didn't even know that they were going to get that plug. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's other Facebook groups like the Copywriter Club <laughs> and, you know, forums and things that if you want the information, there's sure. definitely a ton of it out there. Do you think that copywriting, that, like being a, a great one, not just being able to do it, but actually being great at it, do you think that, that is something that inherently you're kind of, you're born with a pizzazz that that if you study and if you work hard that you can become great at it? Or do you think that you can legitimately start out as being pretty bad at writing and make your way into being great? Um, I think you have to have a basic knowledge of structure and obviously spelling is quite helpful as well. But no, I think if you've got the desire to learn and you're really curious and you're very careful and just really, you know, insatiable to get good at it, that will happen for you. I don't think you need any supernatural talents for it or anything. This is this is my final question and I wasn't planning on asking this but I think it'll be interesting and I you might you might not have any idea. Um do you have an estimate of how many words you have written for other businesses and companies? No, I wish there was a tracker for that. Is there an app for that because the shipping app? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> that would that would probably <laughs> blow my mind actually. I, used, I started out doing content and I don't do much of that anymore, but I could get up to 3,000, 4,000 words a day, maybe five or six days a week. So that's how I started. But obviously that's the road to burnout. So I much prefer conversion copywriting, which is it's a bit less intensive in the typing front, <laughs> thankfully. Sub-question. Sub this is a sub-question. This doesn't count as being another final question, but just a sub-question to that sub -final overarching question. one. Yeah, yeah sub-final question. How how long is that? Like typically for a website, how many words do you usually put into the conversion copywriting for a new website project? Oh my gosh, I actually have no idea. I have no idea. And they're all different because <laughs> some, it depends on the level of awareness. If you're targeting people that you're pushing in through paid traffic, they're probably mm -hmm. more aware or if they're solution aware, the copy gets a bit less. But if you're trying to introduce someone to your product, explain the benefits and then encourage them to take the next step with you, that copy is probably naturally going to be a bit longer. All right, I, I'll let you off the hook. That was my final sub-final sub question. <laughs> so, Rachel, it's been fantastic having you on. Again, Rachel is a B2B and SaaS copywriter, conversion copywriter. You help people grow their websites through copy. Also with emails, um, something we didn't really touch on a ton, but uh, it was it was fantastic having you on. I would love to just give you a minute to talk about Mighty Fine Copy, make your pitch, um, <laughs> talk about anything else you're working on, and anything that you're just passionate about, even if it's totally unrelated. Oh my goodness, I'm not prepared. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, stop by my website for sure and check that out because I've made a big effort. Even if you're not my target customer and you're just someone who appreciates a kind of cool website, Check it out and play with the Godzilla a bit, uh, move around there. There's lots of fun, animated kind of dynamic stuff. And it's just, I wanted to make it a nice experience for absolutely anyone that landed on it. So um, yeah, you don't need to be a SaaS or a B2B company at all. And yeah, if you need any help with conversion copy emails or just kind of digging deeper into your brand voice or you want to get to know your customers a bit better, I am here for you. <laughs> Perfect, Rachel. Thank you. No and I do have... I do have one final question for you that's unrelated. So this sub, also doesn't sub count. Sub-final question. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are a self-proclaimed taco addict. I want to oh know God. what the what is the weirdest taco that you've ever had? Oh, it's going to be something that I've made from what's left over in the fridge. And it's probably too disgusting <laughs> to talk about. But anyway, if it's a tortilla there, I'm going to try and put something in it for sure. <laughs> 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 All right, Rachel Pilcher, it was great having you on. Visit mightyfinecopy.com and maybe buy her a taco if, if you ever run into <laughs> yes, her. Yes, buy me mini tacos. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, for your time, Thanks Rachel, for coming on. Thanks. Yeah.
Bye. And that's it for today's episode. Again, if you're a first-time listener or you've been at it since the beginning, please go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Wherever you get your podcasts, we've got you covered anywhere you want.